Welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision, sponsored by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, CCLVI. Let's Talk Low Vision is a monthly podcast which includes guest speakers, resources, and special topics related to adjusting to low vision. We invite you to visit our webpage and episode archives at cclvi.info. That's a new web address, cclvi.info. And when you visit that site, you'll find a link to the Let's Talk Low Vision pages. You may listen right there and read the show notes, which include links to resources mentioned in each episode. You'll also find the feed address, which you can use to subscribe to the podcast via your podcast applications on your smartphones, tablets, and computers. We have great news for you. This show is now also available on Alexa, Echo, and Google Home devices. Check the webpage for details on how to listen. I'm Dr. Kathy King, and today I'm filling in for Dr. Bill and his co-host, Jesse. Today's topic is iPhones and particularly iOS 15 because of its recent release in October 2021. Our guest is Julian Vargas. Let me introduce Julian to you. Julian is a mobile access technology specialist who believes that mobile devices are fast becoming the personal computer of today, empowering blind and low vision users to better understand and harness the full potential afforded by both specialized and mainstream technologies to help us live fuller and richer lives is his passion. As a trainer, he teaches people how to use many of today's popular mobile solutions such as the iPhone, iPad, and Android phones, and many powerful apps that are available to increase independence and productivity. Through consultation and training, he helps people make informed choices that will best serve their individual and specific needs. Julian is no stranger to our show, but he also has presented at the Best in Tech Conference, the CCLVI ACB National Convention, the Braille Institute in Los Angeles, as well as several events hosted by the NFB California San Fernando Valley Chapter. He has several podcasts to which he contributes via Airs LA, the audio internet reading service of Los Angeles. Julian will share his contact information at the end of the show. Julian, you're here to tell us about the iPhone and some different features. What I was going to do is I was going to start basically talking about the new iPhones and give you some stats that I've put together that I think are most relevant to our community here. And then I was going to go into some highlights and things about iOS 15, which is now the latest operating system that Apple put out. Very good. We're going to have some questions for you about that. That'll be great. And I'm sure you're aware of it. Hello, everybody. My name is Julian Vargas. I am a mobile access technology specialist. I focus on the mobile devices. And in today's world, that basically means iPhones and Android devices. But uh, for the purposes of this meeting, we're going to talk about iPhone. So we're going to talk about Apple's latest and greatest. And before I get into that, I was going to share a little pro tip with all of you, especially earlier, I heard talk of uh, good, good GPS apps that are out there. There is a great GPS app that just became available that was formerly a paid app and has now gone free. So uh, go to that. It was uh, formerly known as Sendero's Seeing Eye GPS. 
it is now called Good Maps Outdoors. So the word Good Maps, all one word, but capital G and then capital M. Good Maps Outdoors. If you look that up in the Apple App Store, you can download it. It is now a free app. People actually used to pay either a $300 lifetime license or $60 a year to subscribe to it. And again, it's free. It's under the uh, direction now of the company Good Maps. And uh, they're working on some really neat stuff, especially with regard to indoor navigation. But this is a wonderful addition to their collection. So I highly recommend everybody uh, download Good Maps Outdoors if you're looking for a good, very uh, much uh, tailored to the blindness community GPS app that does both guided GPS, meaning like the turn by turn, as well as the orientational GPS that tells you about intersections that are coming up. You can get details uh, about those intersections or just get their names, as well as points of interest. And you can store your own points of interest. It's, it's a very powerful app. And so again, free, 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 good, good stuff. So download Good Maps Outdoors. So now getting to the iPhone 13, uh, iPhone just uh, Apple just announced this. You know, every year Apple comes out with their new iPhones, and this year it's called the 13. And just like last year, they are sticking with the four variants uh, plan, which basically means it's a mini basic model, then the Pro and the Pro Max. With every one of those, uh, it goes up in price and in some cases goes up in size as well and in capabilities. Depending on the capabilities that you want, uh, that's how you decide which phone you want to get. So tell you one thing I wasn't happy about this year's iPhones, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who was wanting this. There's no touch ID on this year's iPhones. That is particularly problematic, especially when we're still in the times that we're needing to wear masks and when we want to unlock our phones when we're out and about, especially wanting to pay with Apple Pay. Uh, That could be a little problematic, but Face ID still works. And if you have an Apple Watch, actually, it works very nicely for doing Apple Pay. So that's a little workaround. One notable change with this year's iPhones is that the base model now in terms of storage has gone up. Before, 64 gigabytes was the minimum storage that it came with. Well, I'm happy to report now that 128 gigabytes is now the low level basic storage on the iPhones. And of course, then it goes up uh, in higher increments if you're wanting to pay a little bit more. But uh, this is a good thing because apps are getting larger in size because the operating system is getting larger in size. And the videos and pictures and music we're putting on our phones, that takes up a lot of space. So the more storage, the better, especially since Apple doesn't give us the ability to put SD cards in these things. The screen is about 28% brighter and it also has a higher refresh rate. And you might be thinking, well, what do I care? Well, if if you're low vision, you want a brighter screen in some cases. So that's a good thing. And also refresh rate, even if you have no vision at all, you might be thinking, well, what do I care about refresh rate? Well, that's how many times the screen draws itself quickly. And uh, the faster it can do that, the faster everything is, including voiceover response to things. So that is something to keep in mind. There's something called ProMotion that's uh, added in, and that adjusts the uh, refresh rate based on activity. So uh, this the onboard intelligence that's in these new iPhones makes it so that depending on what you're interacting with, some things may not require that high of a refresh rate, others will require it. So in order to save battery, because it does take a battery to use that high refresh rate, the system is intelligent enough to try to recognize whether you're interacting with something that really needs that refresh rate to be that high or something that doesn't. 
Of course, uh, some of the predictable things about new iPhones, better cameras and also faster processors. That's a given. So uh, they're faster, they can do more with the camera, and there's some new camera modes that are interesting, including one called cinematic mode, which is available on the Pro and the Pro Max models. And this basically lets you turn your iPhone almost into a movie quality camera. So uh, for some of us, that may not matter a whole lot, but uh, for those of us that do like to play with cameras, it is a neat thing. And it's possible that someday in the future, this could be helpful for OCR apps, as well as indoor navigation type apps. So uh, another feature we've heard a lot of mention is LiDAR. And LiDAR is only available on the Pro and the Pro Max models. LiDAR is one of those things that's uh, still you know, being developed, but it is actually being experimented with in an interesting way by the company I, I mentioned earlier, GoodMaps. They're really big on trying to conquer indoor navigation. And part of how they're doing it is by mapping the indoors of a building or a facility uh, with video footage, as well as the information it gets from LiDAR. And LiDAR, just to give you a short version of it, kind of helps the phone to determine how far it is between you and an item that you're pointed to. Uh, some other things along those lines that it does. So again, right now, it may not seem like an important feature, but in the future, I think you're going to see more and more LiDAR being used in things that are actually are relevant to us. The battery life has actually improved uh, with this year's iPhones. As, well, compared to the 12 Pro and Max, uh, those differences are not as major. Uh, I think you're getting about one and a half uh, hours on the uh, basic and the basic 13 and up to two and a half hours on the Pro and the Pro Max. And that's just compared to, the, to last year's iPhone 12. So uh, depending on what you're doing with your phone, that could be significant. There's other testing that suggests that you could even get better battery life out of that. And especially when you're comparing it to older phones, like the 11 and earlier, the further back you go, the better you're going, when you're jumping from one of those to an iPhone 13, you're definitely gonna notice a huge improvement in battery life. Looks wise, it's very similar to the iPhone 12. You know, it's, it's got the straight edge. They, they went with that again this year instead of the curved edges, which is what we saw with the 11 and the, the 10 series. It is slightly larger and heavier though. So uh, you may notice that when you pick it up in your hand. And unfortunately, that also means that you're gonna need new cases. So yeah, <laughs> you get to give those guys um, a little bit more of your money as well. So me personally, just to tell you, I have been using the iPhone SE since sometime last year because, again, of the mask wearing situation. I really didn't like having to either punch in a code to do Apple Pay or pull down my mask momentarily to unlock the phone in those circumstances. So I went with the iPhone SE, which is basically the updated version of what you might say is the iPhone 7 or 8. It's actually got the uh, insides and the processor of the iPhone 11. So it's, it's still fairly current, but uh, it's a little stripped down, a little smaller in size, and it has the virtual home button and the fingerprint reader. So I, I'm happy with that phone. And quite frankly, I was not wowed by Apple's offerings this year. So they didn't get any flagship money from me. I'm going to stick with my SD primarily for that, for that purpose. So that's pretty much uh, this section uh, with regard to uh, 
stats I have about the iPhone, I'll uh, turn it back in case somebody wants to ask questions. Uh, Julian, before we get off this, this may be the spot. I've got it on just pure rumor. Apple was going to start kind of reverting back to flip phone models instead of the flat, you know, flat devices. Is there any truth in that? Have you heard anything about that? Well, you know, rumors are always something you have to take with a grain of salt. Yes. Apple is a notoriously secret company. Yeah. Although, you know, sometimes some of the rumors are pretty spot on. So what I have heard is that they are going toward eventually wanting to do a folding phone similar to like the Samsung, Samsung Z Fold series right. of phones now, where the idea is that it's going to fold in half and then you can unfold it if you want to turn it into a bigger screen like a tablet. So if Apple's going to go with any kind of clamshell or folding kind of uh, model, I suspect it's going to be for that reason, to try to maybe turn your iPhone into an iPad, and then you'll really have some blurred lines. So you might like the iPhone 13 mini if you're thinking about a new phone, because it is smaller. That That's its whole thing. Okay. It's it's a lot smaller. And because Apple has gone, has removed the bezel off from the sides of the screen, and if you're not familiar with what a bezel is, it's basically a frame. If you remember, especially if you've seen the uh, the colored versions of the older iPhones, like the rose gold and things like that, or the silver, you notice they had a white bezel, a white frame around the screen. And anywhere in that frame was not active screen. So it was kind of wasted space as far as screen real estate goes. So what they've done uh, with the 10 series and moving forward is that they've minimized and in some cases altogether removed that bezel. So what it means is when they give you a larger screen, they can actually give it to you in a smaller size device. So uh, the iPhone mini very well may have a larger screen than say the iPhone SE that I was talking about earlier because the iPhone SE still has that bezel. So physically, it is a larger size phone, but screen-wise, it is larger re screen real estate, but smaller in size because it doesn't need all that space for bezel. Okay. If I were starting new at this point and that's the form factor you were looking at, I'd go with the 13 mini because you're going to get better battery life. Good information. Thanks, Julia. Oh, you're so welcome. Uh, it's area code 508. Good evening. I'm sorry I came in late. My name is Jane Perry and I'm from Falmouth. Massachusetts on Cape Cod, and I'm new to all this. My question is, what is the because I'm going to be thinking about buying an iPhone in the next couple of weeks. What is the difference between the SE 2020, the Pro, the Pro Max, and the iPhone 11, 13, and 15? Is there any difference, or is it just price? Wow, that's uh, that's quite a lot of real estate to cover, but I'll try to nutshell it. A lot of the main difference is going to be size and capability. So the anything 13 is what just came out this year. It's very recent. The iPhone SE 2020, which is the one that I'm currently using, is based on the design of the iPhone 7 and 8. So it's a little bit of an older form factor. It's got the bezels around the screens that I talked about, which means that it does make it a longer and somewhat larger size device in the palm of your hand. But the screen real estate is actually less than even what you get in the 12 and 13 mini. So um, it really just depends that the other th big difference between the SE and all the other phones that you mentioned is that the, the SE still has the old fingerprint reader on it. So if that's a form factor that you really like, and right now, especially because of having to wear masks, that's a concern to you, 
that you don't want to have to pull on your mask or have to enter a code every time you're in public and want to interact with your phone, then uh, the, there's a good argument to look at the SE. And it's also the lowest price. It's more or less the entry level of, of all the iPhones. It starts out, I think, at like around uh, $399. Or some yeah somewhere on there like like around the four hundred dollar mark, so it, it is going to be your lowest cost entry level iPhone. So if prices of is, is a concern, that's something to look at. But if if you're willing to spend a little bit more, uh, there's a lot to be said about going with a newer model because it's going to get more years of software updates. It's also going to have access to some of the new features that I'm about to talk about when I go into iOS 15 here in a minute. Uh, that some of the older phones are not going to have access to as well. They, they'll get access to the operating system, but they will not all have access to all the new features that Apple's put in there. So is that helping anyway? So, okay, let, let's go into iOS 15. And just to let you know, my thing here is that, you know, there's a lot of places you can go online, including a website, wonderful website called appleviz.com. That's A-P-P-L-E, V as in Victor, I as in Ida, S as in Sam, uh, appleviz.com is geared to all Apple products from a blindness perspective. And they do some really good reviews and breakdowns on a lot of this stuff. So I would recommend for better details to go there. I'm going to focus mostly on stuff that, again, I think is relevant to us as the low vision or blind community iOS 15 is Apple's latest operating system that they just came out with, and it is available to phones as old as the iPhone 6S. So that's basically a phone that came out about six years ago. You don't get that with a lot of Android phones. Maybe you get three years if you're lucky on an Android phone. Apple really does a bang-up job supporting older devices, and rightfully so with the money that we pay for these things. So it will go back to as far back as the success. However, not all the features I'm going to talk about will be available to phones like the 6S, the 7, or even the 8, or even the, the original 10. Basically, a, a lot of the new features are available to phones that came out in 2018 and later. So anything that, if you have something that came out before 2018, you can get iOS 15, but you will not have access to all the onboard intelligence and advanced AI stuff that uh, some of which I'm going to talk about here. As always with new operating systems, there are bugs. iOS 15 is no exception. However, they are being currently addressed. And in fact, iOS 15.1 is on the verge of being released. It should be out by next week about this time. Uh, that should be available. And I can tell you firsthand that uh, a good amount of the bugs that were first found in the original release of iOS 15 have been addressed with this 15.1 version. So if, you've, if you're running 15 uh, and you've been a little annoyed with some of the bugs, uh, hang in there a little bit longer. This 15.1 should address a good number of them. And again, AppleViz.com does a really good breakdown every time there's new releases of operating systems that you can go and read up about it. Their testers have been banging away at these things. And of course, people get on there and discuss their findings and have conversations about it. So there's a lot of good information on that website. Here are some of the enhancements that I think are kind of useful. The email app finally has something that I've been wanting for a very long time. And that is if you have multiple accounts, you used to only have one signature for all your accounts. And most people always leave it as sent for my iPhone. <laughs> now they finally support separate signatures for separate email accounts. That was a big one for me. I don't know if you all care about that, but 
I thought that was big. There is something called live text that's available. And again, with the newer iPhones, 2018 later, that's part of this onboard intelligence stuff that I've been referring to that allows you to get text out of pictures that you take. So this is very similar to apps like Seeing AI, you know, some of the other OCR apps that exist out there. Uh, you can now actually do this with the iPhone's native photo app in a lot of cases. Or if you've taken pictures or pictures that you see somewhere online or on Facebook or things like that, if there's text in them, you'd be surprised now that the amount that you can get out of those pictures just by invoking these features. What you can do with that text is, for example, if there's a phone number in that text, you can actually have that highlighted and you can activate that link. And now your phone will call that number. If there's an email address or a website address, if you activate that link, now it'll open Safari and take you right to that page. So you don't have to copy and paste anymore like you used to in the old days. This comes in especially handy if any of you use the informed delivery service from the United States Postal Service. This is where every day that you're going to get mail that's addressed to you, they send you an email and they send you a picture of every piece of mail that you're going to get on that day. And before I would have to open that image and then I would have to share it over to Seeing AI or some OCR app. And then I would have to ha open it up and then let the app read it to me. Well, now I can simply open that image that's in my email and begin moving my finger around the screen and start hearing the text that appears in that photo. So it just took a few steps out of the process. So I'm really delighted with features like these. And speaking of email and uh, in general, Apple, as we know, is really big on privacy. So they've added some features in there to further protect your privacy uh, with email as well as on the internet. So just to give you an example, a lot of times somebody can send you an email, they can tell that you've looked at that email without you ever sending anything to them. Because a lot of times they can embed a little pixel in that email that runs code and instantly phones back home to whoever sent you that email to say, oh yeah, he or she opened it. Oh, and here's the IP address they were uh, opened it from. Oh, and here's their general location if you share that with the email app. So you get the idea. A lot of times you, you, you might be giving information about yourself that you don't even realize you're giving to others. And now uh, you can actually close that loophole by invoking some privacy settings with regard to email. Same with the internet. Uh, you can actually uh, have it to where Apple almost sends your traffic through a VPN of sorts that strips out a lot of that stuff, identifying stuff about you. So it doesn't let the website have info, which is a good thing. And in some cases though, just keep in mind that it may interfere with the way the website offers you services. So you may have to jump through some extra hoops authenticating yourself if you run these features by default. Another thing I like is that the weather app has a lot more details now, including uh, for those who are weather buffs, uh, the mention of dew point along with the humidity, which dew point in my opinion is a much more accurate measure of the moisture in the air. So you can get a lot more details in the weather app. Uh, when you're going through your list of cities, if you have a certain list of cities that you watch regularly, now as you swipe through each one of them, it'll tell you not only the city and the current temperature and conditions, but it'll also give you the forecast high or low for that day. So the weather app has gotten informative, along with now you can get alerts to, to whether you're gonna get rain or snow at your location or any other location that you've tagged it and told it to alert you for. 
in the rotor, uh, I like that they've given you clear speaking of status. So for example, if, if you were using image recognition or page recognition or things like that, uh, it would say, you know, image recognition off. And now it'll say it in a way that's a lot more clear to understand image recognition off, you know, uh, and it, uh, things like, um, speech rate will do the same thing it'll it'll read it to you in a way that i think is clearer and easier to understand screen recognition is a feature that also comes in handy and it works a lot better uh, this works in conjunction now with that live text stuff that i talked about so you can get more information and also in some cases where developers don't label their app at all or well by enabling the screen recognition you can actually have apples onboard artificial intelligence try to tell you what those buttons should be labeled and either just go by what it tells you or you can use voiceovers element labeling feature to label it yourself and therefore in the future you have a better label for those things there's something that was started uh, not too long ago called activities where it let you have custom settings primarily for the for voiceover stuff in different areas so like for example if you wanted a different voice when you were reading your your meal your your email or if you were doing something on on the home screen maybe you wanted a different voice there at a different speech rate you were you were able to set that up through activities well they've now expanded that to include other accessibility areas of the phone so things like for example contrast settings smart invert things like that, that are useful to low vision users. Now you can actually do this through these settings. And also for the low vision users, the magnifier app is now a standalone app. I guess it was getting so feature rich and powerful that Apple finally decided to take it out of the settings and accessibility menu. And it is now its own standalone app. So the nice thing about that is that if you use the built-in video magnifier in the iPhone, you can now put the icon for that app right on your home screen there or in your dock and have much quicker access to it. Another thing that got fixed is that the reading of time, people who like to use a phone as a clock, uh, now when you unlock your phone, it more consistently reads you the time. They also added something called the quick settings menu. So for people who don't like the rotor function, had a hard time invoking it, or just didn't like using it, there's now a way to bring up something called quick settings, which is like the rotor. It gives you access to some of the features that you want, you may want quick access to. And what's nice about this is you can add or remove settings from this listing, and you can also rearrange them in a way that makes more sense to you. So some people might choose to want to use their rotor only for certain functions that they want to access. But now uh, they, they can do that and take other things out of the rotor, but have just as quick access to them by invoking this quick settings. And the way you bring this up is you tap four times with two fingers on the center of the screen. So a two finger quadruple tap will now bring this quick settings menu. They've also added more verbosity options. And that uh, verbosity is things like the reading of punctuations, the processing of certain words. They've added things like, um, where you can have numbers read as words or as single digits, which sometimes comes in handy, uh, especially for reading addresses. I hate when it'll give you like 12,374 as opposed to 12374. It'll also uh, give you alerts to things like to let you know that your flashlight is on. And I'm sure some of you have probably had that happen to you where you accidentally turn on your flashlight and you didn't realize it was on until either somebody told you or you fell out the back of your phone and realized, man, it feels a little warm. 
the misspelled uh, words option now in the rotor apparently works better too with the uh, in notes in the mail app i haven't used this myself but i saw that listed so i thought i listed here in case somebody uh, had a problem with that in the past in safari a nice little touch they added is that by swiping down with three fingers you put focus on anywhere on the screen there and swipe down to three fingers that now refreshes the page so you don't have to go look for the refresh button anymore They've also in, expanded the enhanced description and pictures, which again is using that onboard intelligence stuff that I spoke of earlier. And that's pretty much it. Uh, in a nutshell, like I said, Apple Vis has a much more detailed and expanded list of all this stuff. And if you're really curious, I would recommend going there. So I'll turn it back to the host and uh, we can take questions. Thank you so much, Julian. That's quite a bevy of information and we appreciate you being here with us. I'll start us off with questions. I've been in on several calls about problems with iOS 15. I have not yet upgraded to it on my phone because of the problems. I know that people have had problems with Siri not working for their phone book and various other issues that as people with visual impairment, we depend on greatly. Have those been addressed yet? Yeah, a word about Siri. I, I always say Siri is not the most reliable thing because it never fails. She'll fail you when you need her most, but it is a useful thing to have. And unfortunately, Apple, I, I think in their transition to making Siri's functions more reliant on the onboard capabilities and less on the external server, I think they broke some things. And actually, even people who are running iOS 14.8 were reporting problems like for example they couldn't have siri play their voicemail anymore or read their email i have heard that the email stuff has been addressed and that apple is working on some of the other stuff like the voicemail so apple accessibility is well aware of it however i always say the more the merrier if you're having problems with 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 siri or accessibility uh, get a hold of apple accessibility it's, it's a good number to keep in your contact list. I, I keep their email address, which is accessibility at apple.com. Or they also have a, a phone number. I think it's 877-204-3930. I, I could be wrong, but I believe that's what it is. I'm just going by memory. Um, and you can certainly look it up if I'm not giving the right info here. But I, I everybody should create that as an, as an entry in your contact list because inevitably you're going to run into a time when you need to talk to those folks and it's sure nice to have it handy when you need it the most. So they are working on fixing some of the Siri stuff. Uh, again, why they broke it, I don't know. My guess is that trying to transition to more onboard reliance and less server reliance, something broke in that transition process. So we don't have a clean bill of health yet. Is that right? I wouldn't give that at this time. And again, okay. I'm going to definitely recommend that you always read applevis.com when the new operating systems come out they always put something out on the same day that it that it gets released so they'll break it down for you because their guys are using the betas that are out there and they can't talk much about that when things are still in beta but once something gets released to the general public they are free to talk and sing like the birds and okay. they do because they put yep. they've been putting together all these things and they'll come out there and tell you and whatever they don't tell you, somebody else who's experiencing is going to come and comment about it and tell you. I've been depending on the group called iBug, and they've been holding some sessions that have been very helpful. So folks, if you have questions for Julian, and I'm sure you do. Yes, Susan Arment. 
you can speak. Yes, good. Thank you. Um, uh, first of all, I just want to say this has been very interesting, very informative, and uh, I've learned a lot so far. Um, what my question is, is about the magnifier app that you mentioned. Um, you said that uh, it, it's now uh, on an app, and I'm wondering what the, how do I get that app, but what is the name of the app exactly, and what does it do? Well, if you're running iOS 15, it already happened and the app is there. You don't actually have to download it. It should be in your on one of your home screens. Or if you're like me and you don't have apps automatically put on the home screen, you might have to go to that app library that's now after all of your home screen pages and look in there, but it's called Magnifier. You could also use your spotlight search from any home screen that you're on. This is where you swipe down with three fingers and you can type in or dictate the name of something that you want to look for on your iPhone. You can find it that way. And of course, uh, there's always Siri, if she's in the mood to work, to tell her to open Magnifier. Okay, I'm probably not running iOS 15 yet then. So um, I, I guess it's not an automatic upgrade or... Right, if, if you're running iOS uh, 14 or earlier magnifier is part of the accessibility settings so if you go to settings and you go to accessibility one of these services you'll you should see there is magnifier but in ios 15 they took it out of there and made it its very own standalone app and i haven't used it much because my vision is such these days that those kinds of tools don't benefit me much anymore but just from playing around with it, just listening to the buttons and things that I that are in there, it sounds like it's pretty much uh, Apple's version of a video magnifier, a handheld video magnifier. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. One question would be another one that I think several people might be thinking about is, what would you say are the the biggest issues that would have somebody upgrade to a version of a iPhone? that's going to get the full capabilities out of 15. You mentioned that there's several versions of the iPhone, older versions that are not able to use several of the new capabilities. What are the like make it or break it features you think for folks? Well, the, the reason that you want to upgrade to a phone that runs everything that 15 has to offer is all the enhanced uh, onboard intelligence stuff that I mentioned, you know, the text selection, the text stuff from pictures, you know, being able to use uh, something that, that has much more capability, a faster processor, and just all around designed to meet the demands that such features are going to put on hardware. It all depends on how much you need those features. You know, if, if you're not somebody who's going to use a lot of those features and you're mainly using your phone to send, receive texts, make calls, maybe get on Facebook or do some light stuff like that, then there's probably no big hurry in doing so. But if you want access to those features, then it does pay to look at one of those things. And again, you don't have to have the latest and greatest. Anything from 2018 on up will support these features. So that means your iPhone 10s, your 10R, your 10s Max, those phones will work. The, the iPhone 11 series of phones will work and the iPhone 12 series of phones will work. So if you're wanting to save a little money and you don't mind as one person on a mailing list puts it having yesterday's wine, there are lots of options to choose from. But just remember that the newer the phone, the longer you'll be able to get updates. But in the case of Apple, I mean, look, six years on a phone and you're still able to get the new operating system. Mm -hmm. That that's, mm -hmm. that's really good. And Ray what year was the SE? 
the current SE that's out now, that, that one came out in spring of 2020. So it looks just like an iPhone 8, but it has more modern insights. It has the processor of the iPhone 11 and some of the, the innards of the iPhone 11. So it's probably going to have, you know, the, a better camera than the iPhone 8. It's going to be faster. It may be a little more efficient on the battery because newer hardware also gives you more battery efficiency. It has the touch button. It does. So yeah, it looks and feels yeah. like the iPhone 8. In fact, if you have the old smart battery case that worked with the iPhone 7, uh, you can use that on the iPhone SE, which is currently what I'm using to give me a little bit more battery life. Penny? Rachel? All right. So I, as a point of reference, and then I have a question related to it, I am using the new magnifier app on a 12 Pro Max. And I will tell you that I think mostly it's because of the camera on the 12 Pro Max, that the clarity of that magnifier is so much better than what it used to be that I actually grab it instead of my Ruby half the time. Um, and it has the filters where you can do the color filters. It's really fabulous. So I, I highly recommend people trying it, but I think partly why it works so well for me is because I have the better camera. So related to that, this OCR capability that you're talking about that it has on pictures, does that work or is that expected to work within the magnifier or do you actually have to take a picture to get it to read to you? Well, that's a good question because uh, again, I, I don't use the magnifier, so I haven't tried that one, but now you've given me one to try in case somebody else in the future asks me this, this question. Do you so have, cause I, I haven't noticed it doing it. Do you have to do something to enable it on a picture or does it happen automatically? Well, what I'm going to say is I'm not sure that it's meant to work within the magnifier because the magnifier is performing a very specific duty, and that is magnifying things or changing the contrast on something to make it more visually accessible to you. It wouldn't surprise me if the expanded text stuff isn't going to work within the magnifier app because that's kind of outside of its scope. But where it will work is if somebody sends you a picture or if you take a picture of, some, of something with text on it, uh, you should now, just by opening that picture, be able to access the text in that picture just by swiping around or running your finger around it. Sometimes there's a button that, that'll show up that says more text and you can double tap that and get some more uh, things that you can do with that. So in theory, you could take like a picture of a menu in a restaurant and listen to it as opposed to magnify it and do it visually. Right. Although keep in mind that it, because it's not an OCR app, it's probably not going to do any formatting. So if it's formatted in columns or something strange like that, mm. this is where an OCR app may still be a better choice because it it may have those, those capabilities. It, just in general, a picture of a sign, something you get in the mail, uh, I, I use it to scan my mail all the time. It uh, comes in very handy for that. But like a take a picture of a sign on a bus stop, for example, yeah. and it would tell you the number on it. Yeah, Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Very helpful. You're welcome. Tom Frank. I do use, I downloaded open, uh, what's well, that? Good Maps Outdoors. Been playing with the uh, way wayfaring spots or breadcrumbs. Question is, have you had any problems with the one finger double tap? I had another person call me today having all sorts of problems. I did with uh, Good Maps Outdoors. So I don't know if that's a bug or it's just, it didn't like my finger one day. Uh, <laughs> you know, one thing I can tell you that I've seen with iOS 15 is there have been, in some cases, I feel like the screen is a little too sensitive. 
there's some weird focus issues that have been happening with that. And, and I think the okay. newer versions attempt to address it, but you're not the only one that has seen uh, weird focus things where like you think you're double tapping on something and it activates something else. It's almost like something just momentarily touched the screen somewhere else and it took your focus away from that. Okay. And then another question is with LIDAR, if you've seen any value to really to LIDAR, I think the value of LIDAR is going to come to be seen in the future. Okay. Uh, the company, the company GoodMaps that uh, we were talking about, yep. they are their big pushes for uh, conquering the indoor navigation. Yep. They want to make a GPS, an indoor GPS. And one of the things that they're look they're doing it with is with LIDAR. Now it's kind of LIDAR is kind of like 5G where it's it's a cool new thing. It sounds neat. Oh, you're 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 in the future now. You're LIDAR 5G. But then you rarely ever see 5G unless you go to certain places. But that is the future. You're going to see more 5G. You're going to see more proliferation. And I think just the same, you're going to see more blindness and and navigation type apps and even mainstream GPS type apps. You'll probably see it as well that are going to attempt to use LiDAR for some of this stuff. Okay. And answer another question the person just talked to. If you go to describe images and it's, it's a text field, swipe down, one finger swipe down. And it'll, a lot of times it'll start reading it, especially if it's a PDF or something. It's describing that image. And if it's text, it'll read it most of the time. Yeah. Like I said, it does pretty good, especially with the informed delivery from the post office. I really love that. I don't have to go through those extra hoops to bring up another app now. With seeing AI with a short document choice, I was walking in front of my house and I want to, let me just see. And I aimed the camera at my house at this, from the sidewalk about 30 feet away. And it said 87. I never knew I had my house number on the house. Oh, there you go. So, thir- so 30 feet away, it just read 87. So if you're walking down, you want to set, what's that sign say? Just hold it up and it, it'll read, do not enter or so, whatever it is from the short. It does from a fairly good distance as well. Debbie has her hand, is next. Uh, yes. Uh, thanks for doing this. I have a couple of questions. The weather app, if you wanted following other cities, and I didn't know if there was a way to add other cities. And my third question is, if the new iPhones are starting at 128 for the minimum, what is the highest uh, storage they're going up to? I could be wrong, but I think that the the pro maxes might be going up to about a gig, but for sure, five twelve. Okay. So uh, as far as the weather app is concerned, when you open it, there's, there should be a search field on the top. It's a search for a city or airport or something like, like that. If you open that field and you enter in the three letter abbreviation of an airport or a zip code or something like that, you, you'll get a list of, of cities. So you double tap it and it'll open the stats for that city. And then somewhere on that page, probably in the upper right-hand corner, if memory serves me correct, there should be a button that says to, to add that location. And now okay. once you hit that, now that's part of your list. So now you'll see your current location. And then the next one would be whatever you just added to it and so on and so forth. And by the way, you can edit that list later and rearrange those as well. Right. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes, Susan has her hand raised again. Thank you. Um, yeah, I had a couple questions. I have an iPhone 10s and I have an iPad that uh, has the number eight after it. I can see on the iPad how to 
uh, upgrade to iOS 15, but I don't know how to do that on the phone. On the phone, you open settings, you go to general, and then you go to software updates. Okay. And that's it. If it's if it's available to you, it'll show up there. Now, you may get a thing where it may say, like you're running iOS 14.8, you're running the latest, but also available as iOS 15. Because they're kind of doing that now, too. They realize that some people may not want to jump to the new thing right away. Mm -hmm. So they're telling you that your current version is up to date as far as things like security updates and such. But if you're interested, 15 is also available. Do they make any iPhones now that are easy to read out in the sunlight? Well, this is where newer phones may be better. Because when you have these screen enhancements, that's one of the things with a brighter screen is that uh, you'll you'll be able to see it in brighter environments. So that could be one good reason to look at a 13. Yeah. Apple stores are usually pretty well lit, so that's a good place to to test that. Okay. Thanks. That's that's all I have. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, everybody, for your excellent questions. I would suggest to folks, I can never remember, Susan, how to update my iPhone versus my iPad. My simple trick is this. I go into Google and I say, how do I update my iPad? And there it gives me the steps right there. And I do that with most of my tech problems. So there's a little simple trick. If you can't remember these details, you can find them. And I look for the solution from the manufacturer's site rather than from other sites. They're usually right at the top of the list. Julian, thank you very much for being with us. You're fabulous. It's wonderful to have somebody that understands our community and can address our needs and really speak to the points and the issues that are part of our lives. Thank you for what you do. Oh, you're so welcome. It's my pleasure. And just, I am a mobile access technology specialist. That's it. Wow. And if anybody wants to learn more about me or contact regarding this or anything else, uh, my website is www.tech jv.com that's www.tech j as in julian v as in vargas.com and there you can email me from there or you know i can be called at 818-794-9554 julian can you repeat your telephone number please yeah certainly it's area code the area code is 818 the phone number is 794 five four thank you very very much thank you so much for being with us it's a, a great gift that you spent time with us this evening and you're so welcome and thanks for having me thank you very much on thursday night cclvi will be having another zoom call and we're having a, our last open house doing a survey of our committees and cclvi learning about what the committees do opportunities to serve on them It's a a great opportunity to learn about the organization and opportunities within it. We've also archived the past sessions so that you can walk through the different committees. And that's available on our committee page at cclvi.info. Click and listen, fast forward, rewind at your pleasure. And then we'll also be talking a little bit about pets and how they make you happy, how you deal with them now that you might have low vision or as your vision has changed. And we're gonna follow up on that topic Friday morning with our fearless leader, Tom Frank, as our facilitator. 
for our coffee hour, we'll be talking about pets and animals in our lives, coping with them with visual impairment and the pleasure they bring us. We're looking forward to that being a time of sharing and learning about each other as well. Can you repeat those two dates, please? This Thursday at 8 p.m. And the other one is Friday morning at 11 a.m. Both are Eastern. So CCLVI every week has a Monday night and a Thursday night event at 8 p.m. and a Friday morning at 11 a.m. And CCLVI, I keep saying, what that is is Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. And if you have any questions about the organizations, you can contact me at cclviwebmaster at gmail.com. Thank you for being here on Let's Talk Low Vision. We've enjoyed having all of you. See you next month.